have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to take them and turn with me uh, back to the book of Mark. And I know that you're like, it's two days after Christmas and we're not going to be dealing with the Christmas story. We did that on um, Christmas Eve. And we are so delightful that we had a full house. Um, let, let me thank our members and regular attenders who kind of were relegated to the, to the broom closets in the other areas of our building. Um, all three of our overflow areas were full. And I got worried about 60, 70 percent uh, of everyone. Every seat was full here, and about 60, 70 percent were all visitors um, to Big Woods for that evening. And so, praise God for that. What a what an amazing opportunity just to celebrate the birth um, of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest gift that that was ever and could ever be given. And now it's been, what, Friday, Saturday, you've just been laying around doing nothing, eating, uh, literally just rolling on the floor, relaxing. And this is kind of the first time you kind of like peer out of the cover uh, of the uh, the curtains. It's time to come out, and it's Sunday, that's right. And I'm wearing my new black belt. I got a black belt um, over the holidays, so I'm really excited. Just seem to have a little bit of an extra kick in my step. Um, as a result of that. Um, We focus not just on the birth, but on the life and the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our, our, Our reason for being here, let me remind you, has nothing to do about you, okay? Our reason for being here is that our hearts and our minds are stirred with a greater affection and appreciation towards the one. Uh, we have set out on a mission as a local church to impact this community, literally to see lives transformed. And the way we're going to do it is to follow the model that has been given to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're going to hug. We're going to hold on very tightly to. We're going to see that um, in the last couple verses of chapter 1 um, in our text this morning. Would you first bow your heads and pray with me as we just dedicate our time and ask for God to be glorified um, through the preaching of His Word. Let's pray. Father, as we are bowed in Your presence, we thank You, Lord, for Your Word. Lord, reading and studying and searching and digging deep You allow us through your spirit to just mine new, amazing, valuable, precious, priceless truths. Father, today we get another glimpse into how our Savior, Jesus, ministered. God, help us, Lord, to learn. Help us, Lord, to listen. Help us, Lord, to, to set aside our own wishes and wants and to cast ourselves completely in submission to you and to your will for our lives, for your will for this church. God, I thank you so much for every person that's here. I thank you, Lord, for um, the faithfulness, 8 o'clock, a couple days after Christmas. I thank you, Lord, for the gifts that, that everyone who, who claims to, to follow you has been granted by your Spirit and how you will use those gifts in the year to come. 
God, we, we live in, in perilous moments and times. We pray, Lord, for our community that you've called us to be a part of. God, there are so many that have no idea what they just celebrated. They have no idea they live in fear about the year to come. And we hold and we have been given the truth. And God, help us to be truth tellers and givers of your hope. Extend your grace, model your mercy and love as you've loved us unconditionally. May it be all for your glory. God, may you direct even now in this moment as your word is opened. May we we understand that you want to accomplish something unique, unprecedented even today. Help us, Lord, to conform to your will. We ask this in the precious and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, uh, the Gospel of Mark, it has been what? He just he just bursts out of the gates. Uh, we have seen his announcements from John the Baptist prophesied perfectly hundreds of years prior. Uh, we have seen the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have saw seen him call his team, in a sense, those few guys around him, Peter and Andrew and James and John, and, and they have set out going to work. Last couple of weeks, we were together, we saw Jesus who is extraordinary in every way, displaying unprecedented knowledge as he teaches, unparalleled power as he rescues, as he heals, as he frees. Last time we were together in the Gospel of Mark, we saw Jesus makes our mission possible, demonstrating power over demons and and, and sickness and a constant concern, just like you and I need to have a constant concern for spiritual oneness. It's all about what relationship with His Heavenly Father. It has got to be what with you and I. It's got to be our walk with the Lord over our work for the Lord. Okay, it's easy for us to reverse those. It has got to be being with over doing for. It's got to be relationships over religion. And we see that modeled by the Lord Jesus Christ. So today we look at what I call Jesus our only hope of healing. I want to direct your attention to the last five verses of Mark chapter 1. I'll read it, uh, verse 40 through verse 45 of Mark chapter 1. Excuse me. Too much Christmas ham, and I'm a little thirsty. I'm a little parched. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. And a leper came to him imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and he began to talk freely about it and to spread the news. 
so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to Him from every quarter. Okay, here it is. Jesus is becoming what? More and more and more well-known. He's becoming popular. He, he, he's certainly not seeking it, but word is getting out. And Jesus was in. The crowds were attracted and the crowds were getting larger and larger. His, his ministry, as we see as chapter 1 comes to a close, is seriously gaining traction. In today's word, today's world, we would use the word that Jesus has gone viral. Okay, everyone's clicking, everyone wants to see. He is clearly front page news. He's getting what? In, in social media terms, he's getting thousands of likes and retweets every single day. But the interesting part here is that he's not seeking it in any way. He's not hanging around waiting for snapshots of people or, or, or invites to the biggest hotspots. Instead, he's just doing what he does. Word gets out, and Jesus moves on, and we've seen this from place to place to place. Jesus is not seeking to be popular. He seeks to fulfill a purpose. Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. So let's step back and let's get, get a look at the mission that God has called us on, the vision that we have seek to accomplish. And this is a critical component of, of what it means to understand the full essence and the extent of the gospel. To serve, not to be served. This is a great reminder for every one of us who claim to be followers of Christ. Followers of Christ. I call myself a Christian. We are to be one like Christ. We serve without accolades. We serve without acceptance speeches in our pockets. We always, always think future glory, not present success, not present ease, not present comfort. You see, it is relatively easy, believe it or not, to draw a crowd. Just just give people whatever they want and they will come. Anything that's hurting, anything that's broken, and there's promises. Um, what? Your body aches, your marriage is a mess, your finances are in trouble, your kids are rebellious brats. What is, what is, what is the solution to that? Well, the endless story is what? There's three keys to success. Come to church and you'll hear five quick fixes. Ten secrets to set you free. No, 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 Jesus does not do that, neither should we, as we seek to fulfill the mission and vision that God has called us to be on, to accomplish. So much of what pastors are preaching today, churches are working for, ministries and minister leaders are shooting for and promising to offer, is how what? And even as we kind of roll over the calendar into another year, we even have in the back of our minds, how can 2016 be better for me? A little bit more comfortable, a little bit more successful, a little bit easier. This year has been so hard. 
The problem is it's always what? It's always you at the center. How can we do things so that it's a little bit better? Well, that's really not anything to do with the gospel. It's the whole your best life now lie. Think about it. Books written, messages preached on this can be your best. Then then why the hope of heaven? Then why seek a Savior? Someone literally asked one of the leading kind of proponents of prosperity theology that is out there, how come you never speak on what the Bible says about the subject of sin when there's so much of it? And the response is quite simply, well, we don't, we don't want to use the S word around here. You see, that, that's a lot of times how ministries are built. And, and Jesus comes on the scene, and it's totally, totally different. We follow His example. There is no doubt in the world that the gospel message does heal, redeems. The gospel message even comforts, but it never promises anything ever, ever, anywhere about your life being easier or more comfortable. As a matter of fact, you want to claim to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, you better pull your your boots up because it's actually going to get harder for you. But with the thinking and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, the mindset that He leads for us, the example, it's always future. It's always future over presence. It's always a willingness to give up, to give in, and to give over for Christ, not for yourself. Sacrificing for His glory serving for His glory, not your own. Now, there is, there is no doubt, this is, this is not a popular message, okay? People aren't lining up to say, how can I give everything that I have, everything that I am, for the Lord's? No, no but it's the truth. And in an age of, of self-absorbed, pleasure-seeking Materialism and narcissism and hedonism and, and escapism. It can be through drugs or alcohol or a video game. People are seeking to escape in. We live in that age. And we've got to hold and hug to a message that the Lord Jesus Christ preached. Jesus Christ knew it was going to be what? It was going to be a cross before a crown. Jesus knew it was what? A greater concern for the soul than your own body. Jesus did not come to be a superstar. He came to save souls from the greatest sickness of all. That's all the theme that we celebrated throughout Christmas time. What the greatest problem that mankind has could only be solved by the greatest gift that God could give. For unto us a Savior was born. A Son was given. We keep that focus in mind as we examine this text. It begins with this in verse 40. It says, And a leper came to him. Not a leopard, okay? It's not like a spotted animal, a scary cat. It's a leper. A leper is a person who has the disease of leprosy. In the ancient world, it was literally a death sentence. 
patients, in addition to that, one with a, a disease like leprosy, was shunned. You stay outside the building. You stay outside the camp. You stay outside the tent. You don't come near us. It actually was, it was, it was um, passed through contact, uh, through like sneezing. If you ever, okay, you can't get near that person. Matter of fact, people with leprosy in ancient times would oftentimes have to carry a bell with them and they would ring the bell and they would have to say out loud audibly so people could hear, unclean, unclean. As they walked around, they'd ring a bell, unclean, to, to, to warn everyone to stay away. That's the type of person it says a leper came to him. Dr. Alan Gillen, who is a um, human anatomy professor and physiology professor at Liberty University, writes, let me explain to you a little bit about the subject of leprosy. The term leprosy, including the term leper, lepers, leprous, is used 68 times, 68 times in the Bible, 55 times in the Old Testament, 13 times in the New Testament. Leprosy has literally terrified humanity since ancient times when it was reported. For many centuries, leprosy was considered a curse from God and is often association with sin. The disease, it, it did not kill, but neither did it seem to end. Instead, it just lingered for years, causing the tissues to degenerate and deforming the body. Its symptoms start in the skin and the peripheral nervous system outside the brain and spinal cord, then spread to other parts such as the hands, the feet, the face, and the earlobes. Listen to this. Patients with leprosy experience disfigurement of the skin and bones, a twisting of the limbs, and curling of the fingers to form the characteristic claw hand. Facial changes include the thickening of the outer ear, the collapsing of the nose, and tumor-like growths form on the skin and in the respiratory tract, and the optic nerve may deteriorate. In addition to pain and disfiguration, people were shunned completely from the rest of society. Now, this man comes up to Jesus suffering from this disease, and he actually teaches us some of the key components of what we've got to hold on to as we share the hope of the gospel through the Lord Jesus Christ with those in our community around us. Number one, he is desperate. He has no other choices here. And we see that he's def desperate. It says that he came to him imploring him. You know, King James uses a great word here. He came beseeching him. I appreciate the clarity, actually, of the NIV. Probably best, it says that he came begging him. Now, people understand when one has a disease as horrible and as hideous as leprosy, there is no way to be cool here. Okay? There's no way to look cool. There's no way to save face. There's no way to make a presentation that is impressive in any way. You cannot be too proud. There is no pride here. There is only a desperate, in all honesty, a dying plea and a cry for help. The only way that one can be healed 
is to first recognize what the true condition that you are in. The leper knows this. He is as good as dead. Do you realize when it comes to, to, to receiving, accepting the gift of the gospel, you've got to be at a place of knowing what? I am dead in my sins. Some of you at this very moment sitting here have run the course. You have tried everything. And there's nothing there. You, you, you've, you've, you've partied and you've had successes and, and, and you've, you've, you've tried to drink it away. You've, you've, you've succeeded in educate. You've done everything the world has to And there's nothing there. There's still emptiness. There's still a void, a vacuum that exists. It's in that moment, recognizing that we are dead in and of ourselves, that's where we begin to cry out with a plea for help. There are different illustrations throughout the pages of Scripture. People know they're, they're gone. I was actually thinking this week of, of the Philippian jailer, Paul and Silas in jail, remember? Late at night, they're singing. Why are they singing? Come on. And, and remember that the, there's an earthquake, an angel comes, and the gates open. And the Philippian jailer knows what? He actually draws his sword. Because you're, you're not a Roman jailer. Let what? Your, your prize prisoners go without dying. He knows he's dead. He pulls out his sword to kill himself, to commit suicide. He's at the very end. Paul says, no, don't do that. What? You mean you're still... And it's dark in there, and he realizes that his prisoners haven't gone anywhere. The doors are open. And what is, what is the plea? What is the cry of desperation before his only act, his only hope was to thrust a sword into his chest? And he cries out right before that, What must I do to be saved? You see, it's, it's that last moment. Jesus was hanging on a cross, and there were two thieves, one on either side. One was railing, it says in Scripture, against Christ. If you are who you say you are, get us down from here. Well, there's another thief on the other side, who in a sense, I can't quite imagine in the torture and the torment, conversing with one another. And in, in gasps of the last breath, one thief says to the other one, railing, he says, do, do you not fear God? He, he says, we're receiving what we deserve, but this man, referring to the Lord Jesus Christ, has done nothing wrong. The guy knows he's dead. And some of the last words he utters, what? He looks to the Lord Jesus Christ and he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Re remember. He recognizes what's... There's not a lot of choice. He's not getting off the cross. It's the end. And he recognizes Christ. The tax collector under conviction finally for his sins. He is a crook and a thief. And he 
falls on his knees, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Do you realize it is that same desperate cry, knowing that just like this man, our only hope from the disease of sin is in him. Our only hope. That's the message that you take to your neighbor, to your classmates, to your colleagues. We see first and foremost that he is desperate. Secondly, we see from this leper, he also teaches us what? He's reverent. Secondly, he's reverent. It says that he comes and he comes kneeling. He falls on his knees. Another translation says that he bows down. He takes a position. He takes a posture of humility. It's a show and sign of respect. We have continually addressed, and here... Here's where it comes. This is the wrestling match. That when we we deal with the subject of being rescued from our sins, of of being redeemed, something that is is worthless, made worthy, it it, it begins as an authority issue. It begins of you recognizing it's not you who's calling the shots here. It's not you who's in charge. There is little missing the fact that this leper picks up on something that most in the world either or do not or, a, or they choose or they refuse to know. And, and this, this leper actually picks up on something that the prophet Isaiah, what, prophesied in Isaiah chapter 45. And, and, and he picks up on what Paul writes about in, in, in Romans in chapter 14 and Philippians chapter 2. He's actually ahead of the game. The leper's actually ahead of where you and I may be. When what? It says this very clearly in Isaiah, in Romans, in Philippians, every knee shall bow. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess. The, the leper is ahead of others by picking up why he comes in reverence. He comes in humility. He comes showing respect. He comes on his knees. You have a choice at this very moment. You can bow your knee now before the Lord. Or you can continue on the trajectory of what? Your your plan. And you can forget him, but I can assure you that your knee will bow one day as mine, as everyone, and every single tongue will recognize He alone is worthy. He alone is in charge. I love the scene in Revelation chapter 5. It says myriads and myriads, thousands upon thousands. Every tribe and tongue and nation, angels are gathered, the elders surround the, around the throne, and everyone worthy is the Lamb that was slain. The leopard actually is teaching us. We are going to accomplish the mission and we do it through His way, not ours. Thirdly, He is submissive. He says, if you will, if you are willing, the leopard understands it is completely out of His own hands. And, and He recognizes it's only in the hands of Jesus. If it's your will, every single day 
we are to move with that type of mindset every single day if it is your will. Kind of reminds us of how what? When the disciples said, teach us how to pray. Lord, teach us how. How do we do this? And the model is given. The model is given. Pray like this. Jesus said, Jesus taught the disciples, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm reminded of the Lord Jesus Christ the night that he was betrayed on his face in the garden of Gethsemane. In Agonos, it says, praying to his heavenly Father, please remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, what? Not my will, but yours be done. We already, I I bought one yesterday, a calendar where we begin to chart out the important events of 2016. The places that we're supposed to be or the meetings that we're supposed to have. Wait a minute, wait a minute. It's not what I write on my to-do list. It's not what you want to seek to accomplish for 2016. If it's your will. Please, God, fill my lungs with breath just one more day. Have mercy upon me, a sinner. God, this coming year, may it be all about you. I'm so excited. I, I, I'm excited about uh, the, the, the month of January where we are gathering and encouraging everyone on Sunday nights. And we know that you're busy, but you're not too busy for this. And if, you're, if you can't make Sunday night, then make it Wednesday night that we come together as a body. And God willing, we'll be on our knees or we spend time in fasting and say, Lord, we are yours. What is it that you're going to do through us for your glory this year? Will we begin Acknowledging the fact that we are submissive to His perfect will. Submission is tough. Piper calls it this, I love, he challenges that. And he refers to it oftentimes. We think of the word submission and we think of the marriage context. Husbands love, wives submit. But, but I was reading this week, Piper actually reminds us about what he calls it, the beautiful faith of fearless submission. And I love that. Reminding us what? That God's purpose for us as a church is what? Our everlasting, holy joy. And and so it's the everlasting component. It's not necessarily the here and the now, the easy. Let's just be like bright and beautiful, right? No, it's not. It's about eternity. It's about everlasting joy. That's why it is so. Fourthly and finally, we come to this leper and he is believing. You can make me clean. Not, not only displaying a confidence in Christ, that he is the one that can make him clean, but he's also admitting the fact when, when you're saying, Lord, you're the one who can cleanse me, you're not just acknowledging who he is in his lordship, you're acknowledging the fact that you got mud all over your face. If you're saying you're the one who can clean me, you're admitting the fact I'm the dirty one. 
I'm the diseased one. That's what he is acknowledging. Therefore, it is all about trusting. It, it It is all about resting. And I still feel that we have this this mindset of questioning God. After all these years, we still have God like, you know, I I hope, I'm not sure. I'm going to pray about this. Did you realize every speck of dust moves according to His sovereign rule and reign, His plan? And, and we have access to that as ones like Christ, as ones who have acknowledged and, and accepted the gift that has been given by grace through faith. And yet we, we doubt too much. I received one, I think my favorite gift. I like my black belt. It was, it's cool from my daughter. But I received another gift for Christmas and it's just a simple wooden box. It's a sign, a primitive sign. And it has two words on it. It's going to be in my office. And, and all it says is this. Pray big. That's it. Just pray big. That's, that's really what's happening here. You, you, you can make me clean. This is a guy with a death sentence. Just like any one of us still in our sins. You can make me clean. I'm going to pray Big. That's demonstrating the faith that we are called to have. I love the response here. It says that Jesus was moved with pity. Was it looking at his grotesque disfigurement? His his nose that had collapsed? The 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 clawed appendages? The the dry and the white? The, 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 the disfigured, whatever it was, when Jesus saw him, he had compassion, seeing the misery that this man was in, and he was moved. It says that he stretched out his hand and touched him. Wait, wait, they're the ones with bells that say unclean to keep everyone away. And it says that Jesus touched him and said to him in response to his question, if you will make me clean, Jesus says, I will. Be clean. Immediately. Immediately. There's that word again. There's that word. Mark loves to use this word. Immediately. His deformed bones became straight. Disfigured become normal. His dried white skin made smooth and clear and clean. And he looks, does he does he smile? Does he begin to laugh? Does he weep? Does he fall onto his face? He is amazed. He is absolutely thrilled. That's that's is an outward kind of depiction of what you and I have been called to do with lives all over this community that you are seeking to build relationships with. It, it may look like they're nice and clean on the outsides. 
you shine up pretty good. But it's that deformed, disfigured, dying, diseased self that Jesus touches and makes whole, makes new, makes clean. Now, one incredible part here is the fact that Jesus touched him. If you think of it, if you touch someone who's unclean, you become unclean. We think, wait a minute, Jesus is is not unclean. Wearsby says this, and I quote from his commentary, technically Jesus was made unclean when he touched the man. But his touch brought immediate healing. For the ritual of restoration, the healed leper had to experience, according to Leviticus chapter 14, and note that the ritual is a picture of Christ's atoning work. What he's saying here is that the healing and the atoning work of Jesus is on full display. That Jesus does not become what unclean. At that moment, the sinner is made clean. The hope, the hope for you and I, the hope for every single person, Now, there's a perplexing conclusion to this. I'm still rattled, to be perfectly honest. It concludes with, say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself, particularly to the priest. You've not been allowed to worship. You You can't go in there. You're dirty. Go show yourself. Don't tell anyone. Just show them. And immediately bubbling up is that's what that's what we're supposed to do. We we are to do that without a doubt. We show them. But but I, I love the fact that this is this is not a guy who's going to hold on to your Christmas secrets. Okay, don't tell anyone. It's just not it's just not him. And it's pretty obvious what that that he he tells everyone. And I think he's showing them as well. Get this. Remember me? See the little bell? I don't have the bell. I don't need the bell anymore. And he tells everyone. And word gets out. Word gets out in a big way, in a bigger way than it had ever been. He had been moving from town to town to town. Now he can't even go to town. He's got to stay in the wilderness, the desolate places. He's got to stay out in the woods. And it says that people are still coming to him. Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him. See? See? Here? The gospel goes big. Christ goes viral. The gospel goes big. Only hope. Our only hope. Put away what you are planning, what you are thinking, you are going to how this year's... No, it's none of that. It's casting yourself in submission at the feet of Jesus. Recognizing that just as He cleansed you from every sin, although your sins were as scarlet, they shall be white as wool, says Isaiah. What what Christ has done for you is the same message that you can take and share and show for others. May that be our prayer as we seek to accomplish the mission that God has called for us to be on. Thank you, Lord, that you continually thrill and amaze us. 
may we be submissive and obedient to you as we accomplish your will over our own. We ask this in Christ's name.